Hello and welcome to episode number 91 of the Creative Control Room podcast, a show for creators, makers, and doers, where my goal is to help you make to the max. My name is Ryan. I am your operator. And in this episode, I'm going to tell you how you can maximize your reach on social media all while doing less work. Let's roll that official and official intro. Thank you for being here. Welcome to the Creative Control Room Podcast. I am your operator. My name is Ryan Hafey. And if you are new here to the show, this is, uh, like I say, my intro of a show for creators, makers, and doers. This is where I document all the things that I happen to be working on, different projects, various creative projects, uh, as well as uh, try to you know share some of the knowledge that I have gained over my years of doing this with all of you. So um, if that's something you think you'd be into, feel free to smash that uh, subscribe button wherever you happen to be watching or listening. And also follow me on social media at Ryan Hafey on Instagram, Twitter, and on TikTok. Finally added TikTok to that, uh, that little animation down there. So um, right off the bat, let's get started with some updates. Oh, uh, uh, you see that? You see that? Okay, I actually spent a little bit more time on the podcast this week. Jotted down a few more things in my notes. Um, and, uh, well, my first update, so I, I what, what I want to do is make this more of like a three segment show. We're going to have updates. We're going to have news. Um, and then we're going to have our main topic of the day. So as far as updates go, I made some segment animations. So there is, uh, there's your, uh, updates animation, just a quick little animation. Really. I just repurposed this subscribe animation. Um, and it, and it worked out great. So we're going to have those throughout the show. That's update number one. Update number two is after a year and a half or so, I finally got sick. You could probably hear it in my voice a little bit. I am uh, drinking a little bit of herbal tea. It's still very hot. And it's probably not the best thing to drink in this room because this room gets warm. Um, but I don't have COVID. Uh, that was obviously the first thing that came to mind when I when I got sick. But my 12-year-old daughter went to school recently and, and came home with some uh, cold-like symptoms. We went and got her tested for COVID. Her test came back negative. And then a couple days later, actually it was um, September 1st, where my symptoms kicked in. And uh, we got some of those at-home tests. I took three of those three days in a row, all three back negative. I never broke into a fever or anything like that. Just uh, the sniffles and a little bit of chest congestion. Uh, but otherwise, you know, I've been do my best to stay active and not go hardcore, but you know, I'm not really slowed down. It's just some annoying stuff going on up here and in here. So occasionally I may have to, uh, mute myself so I can turn my head and cough. Um, and if I do that, uh, it's just out of respect for you. Cause I don't want to be coughing in your ear the whole time, you know, but we're going to power through this. So it just feels weird being sick. It's, it's been about a year and a half and, uh, it almost feels unfair for some reason. I don't know that I would get sick with something other than the sick. You know what I mean? Anyway, but I should be fine. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm doing all right. I'm distancing myself, quarantining to a degree just to be safe. But um, yeah, there you go. There's that. I even had to cancel a photography gig because of this, even though it's just a cold. Sucks, but it is what it is. Uh, last update I have for the first time ever. So this podcast... Um, I live stream 
uh, here on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, aka Periscope, and also on Twitch. And I do this automatically through a, a service called Restream that basically takes your, a single stream and distributes it to multiple platforms. Um, but to be completely honest, I really don't know much about Twitch. I know it's a big gaming platform, um, but I haven't spent a lot of time on it and used it just to use it and just to kind of explore what other people are doing. So despite having live streamed there for months now, uh, I'm still very much a novice on Twitch. But one of the things that I do often when I have some free time is I'll come in here and I'll play Liftoff, which is an FPV drone simulator. You know, if it's too hot or if it's too windy or if I can't make it outside to fly my actual drones, this is the one I've been flying mostly lately. But if I can't, you know, if I can't get outside and, and fly these guys around, these drone simulators are the next best thing that will kind of allow me to maintain that finger dexterity. Um, but uh, Protect 25, yep, that is correct. Uh, so, but you know, I figured I'm in here a lot playing to, but nice, the protect. I like it. It's, it's fun to fly this, uh, by the way, I'm responding to G man, bio man, bio in the chat. This is my, this is my usual flyer as a Nazgul five, uh, my five inch. This one, I like flying this one more, but I'm not usually in a place where I can do that as often. So got to get out there and do that more once it cools down a little bit. But anyway, so uh, I fly liftoff a lot, the simulator, and I figured since I'm doing that so much and since Twitch is very game heavy, why it might as well tweet, uh, uh, stream on Twitch. So I did that exclusively on Twitch last night. Uh, and if you want to follow me, I changed my username over there to TCCRP, the Creative Control Room podcast. So if you want to go over there and follow me and watch me play liftoff every now and then, uh, feel free to swing by. So that, those are the updates for the week. I want to move on now and talk about a couple of things in the news that I saw that I thought would be interesting and relevant to uh, to the show. So the first being the big one, actually, I'm going to talk about Google first. So Google released um, or did a blog post. I'll pull that up here. Uh, and the blog post has to do with their new upscaling um, their image upscaling technology, which, I mean, this this first image here just kind of gives you a, a glimpse as to what it does. So it essentially upscales low-resolution images and finds a way to make them look like high-resolution images. And um, the technology is, is pretty interesting. I wonder why that's not showing up there. There's another example, a few other examples here. This is a, a Petapixel article that shows some of the, the different examples that Google uses. Um, there was one graphic that I saw. Maybe it's on the actual Google blog here. Let's zoom in on this one. So this is the the uh, Google AI blog that originally talked about it. But there was a cool illustration that I saw or an animation. must have been somewhere else. But basically, yeah, they, they found a way to take super low-resolution images and um, make them look high resolution, kind of like in, in those, you know, crime, crime solving shows where they'll enhance. Uh, it's kind of like that, but better. Now, upscaling is a thing that's been around for a while, but where this differs, uh, apparently, and by the way, the technology is called Razor. I assume that's how they're, how they're uh, pronouncing it. R-A-I-S-R -S stands for Rapid and Accurate Image Super Resolution. 
Okay. Uh, uses machine learning to produce high quality versions of low quality images. And it works, uh, according to them, one, uh, 10 to 100 times faster compared to, I believe, upscaling, although it was a little unclear what they're comparing that to, um, which would allow it to run in real time. So, you know, upscaling has been around for a while and it is fast, but it doesn't typically yield the best results. In fact, they use, um, I think this was, let's see. Yeah, so going back here, this, oops, I'm, I'm zooming in on the wrong thing. So this is an example let me unzoom on this one. There we go. This is an example of this. So this is the low resolution image on the left here. The center is using upscaling and then the right is using uh, razor. So you can kind of see the difference. Upscaling works, but not, you know, the details not there. So razor looks to kind of fix that. So this I, I think is cool. What I was hoping, hold on. Excuse me. I hope that didn't come through. Um, what I was hoping is that this would work, like this would just be kind of like a portal um, or something online where you could go to a website and upload some of your low resolution images. Maybe you have some like old photos of family members from a long time ago and you could put them in there and then it would use this technology to give you a higher resolution version of it. But the technology from what I can tell is intended to be used more for like, you know, in your cell phones, when you're zooming in on an image, it can in real time upscale it using this razor technology so that no matter how you have it zoomed in, it's going to look like a high resolution image, um, you know, on your phone or maybe a computer. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, I just thought that was really interesting technology and it'd be interesting to see what they do with that going forward. The other thing that uh, the other news story that I wanted to bring up, and um, I mean, in my opinion, it's not really that big of news because it's not really that much information. But, <clears throat> you know, as you know, if you watch the show, I shoot with a Sony a7 III. This is my main camera, my workhorse here. Uh, I love this camera. This is kind of a groundbreaking camera from Sony just based on how many features were packed into this versus the price that they uh, charged for it. Um, so I love this camera. But now we are getting to the point where it's a, a few years old and they are looking to release the Sony a7 IV, which I'm pretty excited about. Some rumors have come out. It's interesting because there were some rumors that came out about it, but there weren't, there, there wasn't a lot of rumors and they weren't very substantive. There wasn't a lot of meat to them, but yet I started seeing a lot of people making a lot of Sony a7 IV rumor reaction videos and kind of giving their thoughts on you know, what they think is actually going to be in the final camera, this and that. Um, but the rumors that I saw, uh, I'm going to pull this one up here. Basically, um, they're looking towards a launch and I'll bring it, I'll bring the screen here. They're looking towards a launch in October. Of course, this is based on whether or not the chip supply shortage, which is apparently still ongoing, uh, depends on whether or not that will be um, you know, will allow it to be launched because obviously they don't want to ship a bunch or, you know, launch a new camera when they can't, you know, meet the, the demand for it. A newly developed 33 megapixel sensor, 33 megapixels up from 24 in the Sony a7 III. For me personally, the work that I do, not a huge, you know, big win for me. 
Uh, I'll have some higher resolution images should I choose to upgrade, uh, which will take up more space on my SD cards, you know, whatever. But yeah, 33 megapixel sensor and also five and a half stops of IBIS in body image stabilization, which is up from five stops. So another half stop of, of IBIS, I guess. Um, and then it says here, I will not share this. I, oh, I will now share this that I got recently from an Asian source. This part is completely non-confirmed and I don't know yet if it's correct. Hope other reliable sources can read this and tell me if it's correct. And basically uh, someone, an Asian source somewhere, said that they have an A7 III in their possession. It has 33 megapixel sensor, like we mentioned, 4K60. Um, the Sony A7 III has a limit of 4K30. I would like to see 4K120 because that seems to be kind of normal for some of the newer semi-higher-end mirrorless cameras, uh, but 4K60 is, I guess, acceptable. Uh, full HD, so 1080, I assume, at, yeah, that'd be full, or full HD at uh, 240p, so 240 frames per second, which would be nice as long as it looks good. I think the 1080, 120p, footage from the a7 III currently looks pretty good. So um, 240 frames per second would be great. 10 frames per second shooting photogra for photography, huge buffer, world's fattest, fast, fattest, world's fastest autofocus, uh, GPS in camera, new HDR processing, uh, blah, blah, blah. So I guess my initial reaction to that is it's really nothing surprising. Um, I imagine... Because I think, if I remember correctly, the A7 III price point was around 2000 so they'll probably push this one up to, if I had to guess, I'm going to say $2,400. Uh, what I would really like to see is internal 10-bit 422. I know um, the A7 III, at least internally, I've never tried to re record externally, so I'm not even sure if it'll do more externally, but internally it's limited to 8-bit. Um which in most cases is fine. Oh, Robert join. What's up, Robert? Uh, which in most cases is fine, but, uh, you know, I'm the kind of, you know, if, if you're the kind of person who likes to shoot in camera and then use that footage as is and call it a day, 8-bit's usually fine for you. If you want to really go heavy with color grading and, and manipulating your footage, 10-bit um, is going to be better. It's going to give you more uh, information, data to work with. So I'm hoping there's some 10-bit uh, in there. I would love to see a flip-out screen. I think it's finally time we just put that on every camera. You never know what someone's going to use it for. Some people will want to use, you know, th that type of camera for more production work. Some people are going to use it to vlog. But in either in either case, having a flip out screen and being able to see what your framing looks like from any perspective is is necessary these days. Um, I would like to see a faster operating system. Meaning, you know, I've talked about this before. I use my A7 III a lot when I shoot photography or when I shoot boxing. Sorry. And between rounds, I try to go through and I try to rate the photos that uh, I liked from the round so that I can easily filter them out later. But there's usually a delay, like a one to two second delay when I'll rate a photo and then and then I'll try to go to the next one, but it'll freeze on me for one to two seconds. And it's frustrating, especially when you're trying to, you know, um, you're, you're trying to be quick. You only have a minute to go between rounds, so you want to be fast. So I'd like to see a snappier OS. Uh, dual car. I want to see dual car slots. They already had that on the a7 III, but I believe one of the card slots is limited in its transfer speed a little bit. Um, so if we can get two identical 
dual card slots and I'm fine personally with SD cards. I don't mind SD cards at all. Um, but yeah, I'd like that. And, uh, maybe a more responsive joystick. Another thing that I do when I shoot boxing is, uh, I move my autofocus points around a lot on the screen, depending on, you know, where the fighter is and you know, who, which fighter is facing me, how they're positioned in the ring. I may move my autofocus points from the left to the right. And I find that the current joystick is not super reliable with being able to just quickly move those points around. It'll lag. It'll sometimes move it where you don't want it to. So a little bit better joystick. But anyway, as far as the a 74 is concerned, I'm excited for it. I am getting closer to feeling like I could use an upgrade or at least a second body that I could take with me. Cause these three cameras, one, two, three, these cameras all stay here. I rarely take these out anymore. And they're also not cameras that I would typically use for, um, oh, you know what I just realized? This whole time, I think I've been out of focus because I shot my, there we go, <laughs> crap. Oh, well, I shot my, uh, the thumbnail picture and changed the focus on my hands, but this is a manual focus lens. So if I've been out of focus for a while, uh, I apologize for that. But anyway, anyway, yeah, I, I, uh, A7 IV. I'm getting, I feel like I, it may be time for me to, to upgrade. So when it comes out, I will be, I will be looking at that. Anyway, moving on, let's now talk about our main topic, which happens to be how to get, how to get more reach on social media by doing less work. So let's unpack this a little bit. And first I want to, I want to give a little disclaimer right up front in that this is always changing how social media platforms work. And, and by the way, why am, why am I even, um, qualified to talk about this? I've actually worked social media marketing is, is kind of my primary role. I've been, I've been working in social media marketing since like 2011, uh, off and on. So I have an understanding of how the, how social media platforms work. And I also need to, um, keep up with the new features as, as a result of that sassy mom in the chat. What's up? How you doing? Um, so yeah, this, how social media platforms work and the different features that they offer to their users are changing all the time. But what social media platforms like to do, first of all, they like to copy each other. Right. So, and you can see this with YouTube, you know, TikTok came along and, and was super successful with these kind of short form videos. And what do you know? Instagram Reels comes along, YouTube Shorts comes along. And by the way, those are the three things we're going to be talking about primarily in this. Um, but, you know, YouTube platforms copy each other. And then when a new, new, uh, or social media platforms, when a new social media platform comes out with a new feature, then, uh, and it, and it happens to be successful and people are using a lot and, and seeing a lot of success and reach from it. Other platforms find ways to take that and use it for themselves. So, um, and when they do that, because, you know, TikTok is in competition with YouTube, which is in competition with Instagram, they're all, they're all competing with each other for attention. So, when a social media platform releases a new feature, especially with it, when it's in direct competition to another social media platform's feature, they're going to encourage their users to use it by offering incentives, which in most cases is, you know, exposure, reach, views. So 
Uh, and you're seeing that now with all of this TikTok. There's, I mean, a quick Google search will show you all these, you know, a bunch of different viral successes. People go on TikTok, they post a piece of content that, you know, connects and just can go crazy viral and that can launch people into internet stardom in, you know, overnight. It's, it's crazy. Instagram and YouTube are obviously saw this. So they started incorporating reels, YouTube shorts, things like that. Uh, and you're now starting to see the effects of that as well. Instagram is promoting reels. Uh, you should try this. I, you know, if you, if you haven't posted an Instagram reel, uh, typically let's say you post just regular 60 second or less video content, or maybe you do Instagram stories, that's fine, but do yourself a favor, shoot a vertical video that uh, is 30 seconds or less Post it to Instagram as a reel and see what kind of, what kind of reach you get out of that. I, I can almost guarantee that it will be more than what you would see from a normal post. Um, take a sip of my tea here. Throat's getting a little dry. I experienced that recently with a, a reel that I post. I don't typically post reels too often. I should more. I should do more of it, but I don't. But I did post a reel. I forget what it was about. But uh, I think the it ended up getting 275, 300 likes or something in that range, which is way more you know, I'm, I'm still pretty small on Instagram, but it's way more that I would have gotten uh, otherwise. Uh, an example, I can show you how YouTube shorts work out. And this is pretty fascinating as well. So let me blow this up here. So this is, um, this might've been one of the first YouTube shorts that I posted to my channel. I posted maybe five, six, seven, something like that. And uh, you can see here, so this is where the, short was posted and YouTube shorts, by the way, 60 seconds or less, um, uploaded to YouTube vertical video. That's how you post a YouTube short. There was zero, essentially zero engagement all the way up until 12, you know, 13 hours or so. And then whoop, you see this big jump in exposure. And then again, it kind of levels out. So what's happening there? Well, again, because YouTube wants to promote their YouTube Shorts feature. You know, if you go to the website, there is a YouTube Shorts section on the YouTube website. And I guess, you know, I don't know exactly how their algorithm works, but this has happened on a few different occasions. Not, not for all of the YouTube Shorts videos that I posted, but for, I don't know, maybe three, four of them, I saw a jump like that with all of them. And if you can publish a piece of content to YouTube shorts that can capture someone's attention very quickly. Um, you can kind of springboard yourself into reaching a whole lot of people. So that's very interesting to me. Uh, the benefits and the, the, the common theme, by the way, with all of these YouTube shorts, TikTok, Instagram reels is that these are all short form content. Um, and a lot of it is it's, it's just, People just, you know, shooting something on their phone, whether it's, you know, a comedy skit, something inf informative, whatever it may be. It's just somebody picking up their phone uh, and, and filming something and posting it online in a matter of minutes. So some of the benefits, you have better reach and viral potential for short form content just because, again, these platforms are trying to promote these different features that they have on their platforms. Another benefit, like I just mentioned, the videos do not have to be polished. They don't have to be 
highly produced. You don't have to get out your big expensive camera if you don't want to. You can shoot it right on your phone. For most people, phone quality is great. But again, when you're you're searching on these on these different social media platforms, think about your own personal habits as you're as you're scrolling through the videos that you've liked most. Were they super highly produced with you know perfect color grading and and perfect lighting? Probably not, you know, depending on what you're into. Chances are the stuff that you like the most was maybe funny or entertaining or informative, but it was probably just shot on a, you know, on a, on a smartphone. Um, and uh, so it doesn't have to be polished, but it can be. So there's some flexibility there. Like the, the shorts that I've posted and the stuff that I post to YouTube, uh, off maybe 50% of the time is stuff that I will shoot on one of these cameras and then edit for Instagram reels or TikTok or YouTube shorts, whatever it may be. So you have some flexibility there. Um, you know, some people will say that the algorithms on these platforms will prioritize videos that were shot within, you know, using their tools. For example, TikTok, like TikTok gives you a bunch of different tools. Um, and this is actually the next benefit of this. They, they provide editing tools. Um, so you don't need an expensive video editor like Premiere Pro or, you know, whatever it may, may be. You can record clips in TikTok. You can, um, you know, add text. You can set the duration of that text. You can add background music. You can take multiple clips back to back, and then you can trim those clips to get your timing just right. Like the tools that you need to edit a decent video right within those platforms, they're there. So you, you really have everything that you need. You've got your camera, your phone. You've got your video editor, your phone, and the app. And you've got you. Right. Um, so there's that. What else? Uh, content be, can be repurposed. So now because you have these three different, you know, or well, there's probably more, but you know, th these are the kind of the three main YouTube, TikTok, Instagram reels. These platforms all allow for the same type of content in this format, this sort of short form, vertically shot uh, content. And what you'll see a lot of the time you know, go to Instagram Reels right now. Guaranteed, it won't take you long to flip through and find someone who just took the, this, you know, a TikTok video that they created and uploaded that directly to Instagram Reels. That's where a lot of Instagram Reels' content comes from. Like, it's, I mean, it's pretty obvious where most of the attention is going right now, and that's TikTok. But just goes to show you, again, that you don't have to go out of your way to create three different videos for three different platforms, um, you can use that same content across all of them and utilize all of these very attention-grabbing um, features on these platforms to get more views and all that, you know? Uh, what else? Let's see, content can be repurposed, yep. So what does all that mean and how does that relate to getting more reach with less views? Well or with less work, sorry. Uh, it means that, again, because the tools are all at your disposal and they're all available right here and you can do everything that you need to do right on this device here on your phone and it doesn't have to be polished and you don't have to do some crazy editing, you can create, you can, you know, if you're someone right now who is spending your time on YouTube making 10-minute videos because, you know, 10-minute videos, that was kind of the old rule of thumb for YouTube if you really wanted to get exposure if you really wanted to reach people, it's, you got to make sure that you're, you know, you're, uh, 
um, shooting videos that are at least 10 minute long, you know, and you got to make sure that you're uh, formatting them so that people, you're keeping people watching, you know, you want to make sure you start with an attention grabbing thing and then you want to hold on to them so that you can increase your watch time and then that will trigger the algorithm to show it to more people and this and that. And that's all true. And that also relates to the content that you would be creating for TikTok, Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts. However, it's easier to grab attention when and keep attention longer when you don't have to worry about it being 10 minutes in length. And what I think too, what I've found on YouTube is that a lot of people push for that 10 minute mark uh, and they end up just throwing a bunch of needless fill into their videos to where, at least in my case, I, my attention span, like I just, I couldn't stick around any, like it, it just wasn't interesting to me anymore. I, I watch a lot of videos now that I, it just seems like there's so much fluff in them and it's, and it's sort of, um, what's the word? It's, it's not the word is it's on the tip of my thumb, but it's, it's like manufactured. It's not, it's processed. It's like processed food of content. It didn't make any sense, but you know what I mean? Like it's, uh, it's just there. It's filler just to, to kind of appease the algorithms. But what I don't think people realize is that the more filler you have, the less you're holding people's attention. So it's a balance. But again, if you can find a way to condense a 10 minute video down into 60 seconds or less, and you can get people's attention right away, then you kind of have a winning formula. And of course this means, you know, you have to be consistent. I think that's a given, you know, TikTok, really any social media platform. If you want to be successful and you want to reach people on these platforms, you have to be consistent. You have to be uploading daily. You have to be, and, and again, I, I don't do this. <laughs> I know I, it's like the pot calling the kettle black here. I do this more for brands than I do for myself. Uh, but it's true and it's, it's nothing new. If you want to stay relevant, if you want to stay consistent, if you want to stay on people's minds, you have to be producing content on a regular basis. The added benefit, added benefit of that being the more content you make on a regular basis, the more practice you have making that content, and then eventually the easier it becomes for you to make more content. Uh, but you know what you see on TikTok a lot is people that will they'll make they'll do a lot of experimentation. They'll experiment with it a little different. You know, if they're a comedy TikToker, they might experiment with some different um, you know sketches and things like that. And then they might land on something that goes viral and then they sort of stick with that for a while. And that's how they keep the views coming in. And I don't, I don't know, I don't know how, you know, long-term what that looks like. Cause to me, it seems like, you know, it's going to just force people. It's, it's going to pigeonhole a lot of people into being the guy or girl that does the thing. Oh, do the thing, you know? For me, that seems a little scary. I don't know if, that I would want to get myself in a position where I'm known for one specific thing because eventually that one specific thing is going to not be as interesting after a while. You got to find a new specific thing. But either way, whatever it happens to be, try this out. Use some of these platforms. Use some of these tools within these platforms. Pay attention to what platforms are emphasizing and prioritizing um, so that you can kind of jump on that. And, you know, if you're growing a brand, if you're growing your personal brand, whatever, use these tools to, to get more reach. Now, something to keep in mind 
you know, mentioned earlier, when these platforms have these new features, they incentivize them in certain ways. Well, for example, you know, TikTok for a long time, or sorry, Instagram for a long time was not incentivizing creators at all with anything other than like features and, and you know, new stickers and new filters and things that you can use. Um, but then TikTok came around and said, okay, we're going to, we're going to start a 1 billion or was it? No, TikTok did a $200 million creator fund that they intend to grow, uh, up to a billion dollars in three years. So, you know, if you're looking to do this to make money at this point, kind of the short form content may not be your best avenue for generating income just from a straight, like, you know, like you would on YouTube with YouTube, with uh, Google ads or, uh, AdSense. Um, these creator funds, you know, obviously most of that payment is going to go to the top of the top creators. So, and, and it's a set amount of money. YouTube, I guess, just announced that they are, um, going to be, they have a hundred million dollar creator fund and then Instagram and Facebook apparently plan to distribute a billion dollars to, um, short form creators, short form content creators through 2022. Um, but yeah, like I said, that was one of the criticisms of Instagram was not compensating their creators. Instagram tried, you know, they came out and said recently that they're no longer a photo sharing platform, their video, and they want to focus on that. But I think it was Chris Howe, YouTuber, who said, uh, made a great point. It's like, that's not why people are leaving your platform for these other platforms. They're leaving your platform because you're not incentivizing creators to make good platforms or make good content. And that's why a lot of the content that you see on Instagram reels is really a lot of the leftovers from TikTok. Now they've got this creator fund who knows how that'll change things. But anyway, that's kind of how it works. But yeah, so long story short, if you want to maximize your reach, um, in the short term right now, September 5th, 2021, the play is in TikTok. Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts. Three months from now, that could be completely different. That could be the new features that everyone's jumping on and new features in these platforms that these that the platforms are prioritizing and you know making people famous as a result of. So keep an eye on that. But for right now, that's the play. Focus on that. See how it works. You know, go hard on it for a while and see how how it plays out for you. Um, let's see, Robert says the video options on Instagram need to be more user friendly. I think it's partly that, and I think it's partly just, you know, understanding some of the tools. I think the more the more features that people throw in to these um, platforms, it's cool and all, but unless you're willing to spend the time to learn them, they don't really benefit you. Or maybe it comes down to them just needing to do a better job and explaining how to use them. I don't know. I think, you know, at a certain point, it's almost like going to Cheesecake Factory. The food there is fine. But the menu is like reading a 200-page book. It takes forever to just figure out what you want to eat. Uh, at, at, to the point where, at least for me, I don't like going to Cheesecake Factory because I don't want to sit here and have to read through, you know, this huge long menu just to find something to eat. Anyway, neither here nor there. But that's that's it for that. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that, got a little bit of value out, out of that. And if you did, smash that subscribe button wherever you happen to be watching or listening. Also, follow me on social media at Ryan Hafey on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And uh, for now, I'm going to go ahead and call this one done. So thank you so much for being here. Keep on creating, making, and doing. And I will see you in the next one. Bye-bye.